Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. That's right, that's it's right. It's going to be us. We can drink and talk shit as much as we want. Nobody can say anything to it. D.L. Hughley Uncut. All right, we made it yet again. It's the D.L. Hughley uh, <laughs> Hughley Uncut. Of course, I am D.L. Hughley. I'm Jasmine Sanders. Jay Phillips here. What's up? His name is Black Jay. You know, yeah. come on. He's trying to get rid of the Black Jay, but I'm you can't not trying do it. to get rid. I was trying to shorten it because I heard you get on people, you know, for giving the AKA. It, and it's weird because they put it under your name anyway. Well, Even right. They put it right under you anyway. <laughs> well, how can I win? What you want me to say <laughs> when they open it up? It's me. It's Black ne- Jay. Never, all right, there you go. That's Never how you mind, do we'll it. Leave it up to the Chiron. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, I, I think these next few, and I and I said this before. I think that the more desperate. Uh, and further behind Trump gets in the polls, the more desperate he's going to get. Um, I think he did some stuff last week that basically caused the stock market to tumble. Yeah. Uh, but the thing, and we're going to talk a lot about that. But 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 the thing that I was the most assaulted by, but in the last few weeks, I think that there's a clear difference between people who are uh, contract uh, COVID like we did, mm-hmm. and then people who are in the government or uh, who people are regarded like. Case in point. Um, when I contracted COVID, I was in uh, Nashville. I was kicked out of the Thompson Hotel. They basically were, they they didn't necessarily send the marshals to kick me out, but they were like, you'd be more comfortable at a be- best day, at, at a day's end. This is not. <laughs> Somewhere other than here, right, right. basically. And like, where you go, you leave it here. Off the property, yes. please. Thank you. And then the other thing that happened was we could not, when I tell you we could not get anybody to take me home like any i'm on american they wouldn't do it delta wouldn't do it united wouldn't do it so they because they have this strict uh, a guideline is when somebody is stricken with covid they just can't fly commercial so i had to spend twenty seven thousand dollars and then two 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 private jets turned me down and it ended up with george uh, lopez and said and and anthony and 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 uh don Cheadle and chris spencer we on the thing called the thread and and they basically, we use this jet company, and they basically threatened that company. We wouldn't use it again, so they flew me back. 
But then to find out that Delta, uh, when the when there were the three congressmen, uh, three uh, elected officials mm-hmm. who were at the Trump, uh, you know, I guess whatever the super spread uh, event, right? Uh, they all contracted uh, COVID, and Delta flew them. Absolutely, without a they problem. Flew them. With no and problem. they said the reason was because the flight was only forty percent at capacity. I guess forty percent full, so right. they figured it was okay. So. And I'm just as famous as any of them motherfuckers. And they made me pay? Yeah. I'm, I, I swear to God, I'm going to call and get my money back. It's crazy. And they said it was 40% capacity. But I guarantee you they didn't alert those 40 people, 40% of those people. They didn't alert those people that someone with COVID or three people with COVID was flying on the airplane. Yeah. Oh, and, certainly. If you were one of the 40%, they would say, no, no. Right. You cannot fly this flight. You, right. you, you, can't, you can't be, you know, against me because I have a virus and black. You can't be... <laughs> And forty percent inside of a plane—that sounds like you're doing some social distancing, but right. you're recirculating the exact same right. air for however right. long that you're in there, so it's not going to get away from you. But so, to me, that doesn't even matter. To me, the big point is you have a policy that is right. supposed to be very strict. Right. Mm-hmm. right. That you you would not allow anyone else to fly, but you let these three passengers right. that you knew had COVID, you let them fly. These these three passengers who were integral in not giving you the stimulus money you needed Correct. to not furlough. All those, those fucking three. people. Those guys. Yes. Right? So so those people, the people who are fucking you, you let them get on. Yeah. yeah. They they good. Pretty much. Right. And it's crazy. <laughs> and I I guarantee you, my taxpayers don't pay for my seat and they wouldn't let me fly. So Delta, I'm gonna be calling your uh your CEO. Somebody got twenty seven grand to come up with because y'all wouldn't let me fly. <laughs> right. I ain't, I'm not even close to bullshit. You got one of your frat bros gonna help you get that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Somebody give me some bread. Man, you know my frat brother Benjamin Crump. Give it to me now. That's right. Or he'll Benjamin see you. Crump don't play. That's for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's suing some local municipality as, as we, we speak. speak right now with he's, a nice looking suit on. Get he's, it. he's getting a judgment for some disenfranchised people as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um. So this really disturbed me, um, and as so many things do, but it happened uh, earlier last week, and there was a young black man named Jonathan Price, and uh, he was killed by the police in this, this into in Wolf City, Texas, uh, and by all accounts, he was a good dude and uh, loved in the neighborhood, uh, and what was really stunning was that the Texas Marshals arrested and charged the police officers so fast and they didn't nuance it they didn't say endangering they didn't he, he didn't get in trouble for shooting a wall up or damaging property he got in trouble from he was in, the, the cop is indicted for murder Yes, as he should be. First of all, the fact that Jonathan Price, uh, well-beloved in the community, upstanding citizen, uh, was basically stepping in and trying to prevent a fight. Right. And when the police showed up, he put his hands in the air and tried to explain what he was doing. They tased him. He began to go into convulsions. They considered that to be a threat, so they say, and shot and killed him. Yeah. This nigga's boogalooing. We don't know what this yeah. is. <laughs> He's just dancing. Yeah, that's, that's crazy, The man. people who are primarily shot, the groups, the, 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 the demographic that's primarily shot are, are people who are mo- uh, mentally or emotionally disturbed or handicapped people. Yeah, they 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 take uh, like he 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 refused to comply. Motherfucker, he can't raise his hands. Right. Yeah. Second person to get shot breaking up a fight right. in the last yeah. couple. And, you know what I mean? And and the interesting thing about it is one how fast they indicted because and uh, you know Texas Rangers they 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 took a long time for Amber Geiger who shot Botham Jen that took forever. Tatiana Jefferson who got shot in Fort Worth mm-hmm. by a police officer at two thirty. There still have been no charges there. Right. Um, but the interesting thing about this young man is what the, the, this struck me. 
uh, very interesting. So what did his last uh, last known tweet or, or communication on social media say? So the last post that he uh, posted basically said, I was raised by the Malones and the Wolf Drifts in my hometown for a large amount of my youth, was my second family then and still are in 2020. If I had to say anything, the amount of food fed to me, they spent on me outweighs any BS about race or color right now. I have a family that's never done a damn thing for me or supported my business ventures and they're my blood. They will forever be a million in my book. They know who they are. They are to blame for my countryside and my addiction to white women, not complaining one bit. There were times I should have been detained for speeding, outstanding citations, outdated registration, dozing off behind the red light. Uh, and when I was living in downtown Dallas, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, basically, he says, uh, Wiley, Texas, he knows it's it could be very racist, but he's never gotten any kind of energy like that from the popo. Well, I, what's this young man? What's the people saw the world like the young man does? Yeah. Because he didn't see color. But this young man is dead because of the color of his skin. And I think that the sad part about that is your skin can't tell the the, the police that you're pro-police. Uh, your skin can't tell that you were raised partially in a white family, that you were raised to be colorblind. The, your, the color of your skin and your look can't tell people that you're an outstanding person. The color of your skin is a weapon. And when the color of your skin is a weapon, there is nothing you can say. And the difference between being stopped at those times and having good police officers and having all those people who were fair is that the only thing you have to do to have your life taken from you is to be a black man with that skin and have the wrong police officer uh, meet you because they won't see you like you do. And it's a, it's a, it's a sad shame. It's a shame that the, that that police officer did not see him like he saw the police officer. And, and that's, that's amazing to me. Our first guest is an Emmy Award-winning journalist, the co-founder of Lodge Freeway Media and a contributing writer for The Atlantic. She's also the host of the Spotify podcast, Jamil Hill is Unbothered. Please welcome the one and only Jamil Hill. Hey, now. Hey, what's going on, guys? You know, How are you? I never knew you had freckles. Never. Yeah, this is true. There they are. When white people stop doing your makeup, you get you get everything. <laughs> Pop on out. Niggas can only get anti shine. That's what <laughs> <laughs> you you look amazing. You know what it is? You're always uh, very attractive, but you look like your light is on. Yeah, she like, looks sunny. You look so mm -hmm. much different. Oh, wow. Well, thank you, guys. You I appreciate like, it. You look like you ain't, you ain't got nobody taking your check from you and worrying about uh -oh. your contract. Well, there it is. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jamel. Welcome to the show. That is, look, I, can't, I cannot disagree with yeah, that. So yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Who do you think starts more shit uh, on social media? Me or you? Who do you think it is? Oh, wow. me or you? oh it's definitely you. That's yeah, not definitely. it at all. Ooh, yeah. yeah. She ruined you. Skip's career. Like, <laughs> you like, you ruined Skip's career. You, uh, you you always, almost every time I see something that riles me up, you get up earlier than me and have said something about it. So I, I, I can't, you, you, because it was a weird thing. I think that even the stances you take now and the things, your perspective now, wasn't well received at your previous place of employment. That's fair to say the least, right? Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say that I have a lot more liberty and a lot more room to give my opinion now about different topics than I did when I was at ESPN. I mean, when 
you sign up to to be there, you know what you're signing up for. And right. one of those things is the fact that there is going to be limits to what you can say because right. you're employed by ESPN, which is under the general umbrella of Disney. Right. And you, even though you're on social media and it's you, they realize that people don't really make a distinction between what you say on right. social media versus who you are when right. you're giving them the sports news every night on SportsCenter. Like, they think they're the same person. And so um, because of that, you have a lot of restrictions, which ESPN is not special in that regard. Like, every place I've worked, a lot of places I've, I've worked and done business with, they have social media policy. So uh, you know what you're getting into. Um, but now that I don't have to worry about that. Right. Uh, Your great. freckles are showing. Everything's hanging out. Yeah. Why is the uh, – because – I think that sports are important uh, and, and black people who have those kind of platforms, particularly athletes, are, are important because the only time the public at large watches black people is when we're singing, dancing, running, or jumping. So that's the only time we have their rapt attention. So it almost is the only time that a, that a, that an issue gets their attention is when somebody they have, their kid has a poster of says anything. So. Uh, it, has it always been this important, or is now sports so much more in the public zeitgeist than it was before? Like in terms of uh, social, uh, so, social activism. No, I mean I think when you look at the history of sports, um, it's always been a collision course with uh, social justice, with politics, um, with gender, with culture, with society. It's always been in the mix of those things. So the people who tried to pretend as if sports was happening in this other place. And it was separate from the rest of the world or rest of our country and what we were going through. It was always disingenuous and always a lie. I mean, we have to keep in mind that Jackie Robinson integrated Major League Baseball in 1947. I mean, that's almost 20 years before the Civil Rights Act was passed, right. that segregation. And so a lot of times sports has actually been ahead of where the rest of society is. Um, and because of that unique relationship of a wide mainstream audience having to look at and consider the lives of, of black people through the sports that they love through entertainment right because of that relationship then it's allowed black athletes in particular to be able to push talk about and focus on these greater issues of importance and, and i think there's a difference between the types of athletes i think that uh nba players have a lot more latitude and power than nfl players i think no one no no nfl owner no owner would ever uh, talk to LeBron James uh, like uh, the Dallas Cowboy owner. No, they, they just wouldn't do it because and they even when you look at the way they handle themselves, the amount of power they have. Even even if you look at, we are learning uh, basketball, for example, took uh, science and the need for having an economic continuity, and 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 they gave us the bubble and they use all that stuff and they have literally fewer outbreaks of corona than the white house who would have thought what niggas work was safer than the white house like <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like like but but they they are leaders in so many ways and i think that they have a different outlook a different ethos and a different level of gravitas that like nba players to me have not only are they the wealthiest black people in the world, but but they're some of the most powerful, like collectively. Um, I think we, before we give the NBA too much credit, if you will, we also need to re remember that this was the same league. Uh, look at what happened to Mahmoud Abdul-Wahoud. Right, right, right. Look right, at right, what right. happened to Craig right, Rogers. It's right. like they have not been above 
um, you know, casting out, right. um, silencing people who have stood up for racial injustice. Right, but right. here's the difference, though. The difference is in money. Guaranteed contracts goes a long way. Right. And all the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Right. It's right. like all the NBA players have guaranteed contracts. And one player, what they can mean to a franchise is so much more right. than what happens in the NFL. I mean, when LeBron James was in Cleveland, there was a decided economic impact on sure. the city of Cleveland and on that franchise. When he left, there was a decided right. economic impact. He became Cleveland again. Oh, shit, we Cleveland again. Exactly. <laughs> Damn. So, we were almost because, Cincinnati, but now we're Cleveland. Again. Oh, no. So because you have one player that can change a franchise and change the complexion of a city, then they're going to have more say-so. And in the NBA, you know, you have the head of the, the Players League um, is a black woman, Michelle Roberts, right. who's unbelievable. Right. You have Adam Silver, who's very progressive, and you have the the unofficial, unofficial commissioner being LeBron James. Right. It's like, you know, the leagues take on the personalities of their biggest stars, and LeBron James has made it clear that he is committed to social activism, he's committed to black people, right. and therefore the NBA has a black agenda because he's the moneymaker. Right. Yeah. But you see a lot of criticism coming from people like the White House. Like I saw when LeBron James spoke up about some injustice. You saw where the Trump sons basically said, you know, listen, he can say that because he's rich. He should be quiet and just play. So I think it's I, I've always loved the fact when when there is someone who has a stature of a LeBron James is not afraid to speak out. I would always get upset when there was the silence. That's what always bothered me because I think too much given much required. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I, my general position when it comes to athletes speaking out is this, is that they have to do where they can, where they are. Everybody isn't meant to be a vocal leader. Everybody can't do what Colin Kaepernick did. Right. Everybody can't do what LeBron does. Right. Some people, it's good if they contribute through works and right. they're not yes. a vocal leader because see what happens when you got the wrong people with the microphone, you get Kanye West. <laughs> Don't leave, so Charles Barkley. Barkley. Ooh, ooh. leave Charles Barkley. Leave Charles Barkley out of this. There's a shit starter. <laughs> there she is. Like, like, I don't know how Charles Barkley is a spokesperson where I don't know how to spoke. That's crazy to me. But, um, <laughs> That's just terrible. But getting back to what you said about uh, the, the Trump sons, uh, Poo Poo and LeBron James and the NBA mm -hmm. athletes, it would be weird because you would think the Trump sons would love NBA athletes. They daddy has a lot of kids by different women and they... <laughs> <laughs> you think they would have a lot in common. Uh, and, and and getting back to this, the theme of athletes, I was on a call with uh, an NBA player and, and Kamala Harris, and we were talking about voting. And the NBA player, and I won't say his name, said that, you know, uh, the activism is, 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 is boiling and is at a fever pitch. He said, but in the last few cycles, uh, NBA ballplayers have uh, voted, about 20% of them vote. Have, have voted so more than wore shirts <laughs> with uh with, you know with with activism on them than actually were involved in in, in what the shirt espoused and i think uh there is there is something to be said about how much sway uh people who we watch athletically have in not only our lives but younger people's lives and corporations uh, uh aspirations so they're, they're very important and, and people do basically do what they see them do yeah, I, but I wish, honestly, the ones who weren't registered and became registered, because, uh, you know, just to update a little bit now, because um, I heard Chris Paul talk about this recently, they have over 85% of the league that is now registered to vote. And there are 15 teams that have 100% registration. So at, they they got their you-know-what together. Right, okay? right, right, right. So right, they got it together. Right. 
But I think it's really important that the people who haven't previously voted, that they be vocal about that. Like, I thought it was awesome that Snoop Dogg said that this is the yeah. first election yeah. that he's going to vote in because he didn't think he could because of his criminal record. Mike Tyson has said he's going to be voting in this election for the first time right. because he also thought because of his criminal record, he couldn't vote. And right. it turns out that's right. not the case. And so they need to hear from players who are like, you know what, this wasn't as important to me then, but now I get it. I mean, LeBron James was on my vice show with Kerry Champion, and he said that, you know, early in his career, he didn't vote, you right. know, because you're you're young, you're making a lot of money, you don't think these political issues will ever influence you or influence those that are within your immediate family because you're taking care of them or because you feel like you got them. And people, black people especially, we need to understand that, Politically, we need to stay active and engaged because so much of politics determines our day-to-day life, right. the lot, what happens in our community, and what happens to our families. So we can no longer have this opinion or ideal that politics don't matter. Right. They definitely matter. They, they, they play respect. their way out. You know, you said something very interesting, and 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 I'm, I'm the, the kudos to all the people now who understand um, in the NBA and other athletes who understand how important it is to vote. Because all the things they basically are arguing about or marching for or wearing shirts for, uh, can uh, those things have to be manufactured? They, they have to be legislated. So, um, but but what happens to athletes a lot, particularly black black athletes? They may come from poor socioeconomic backgrounds. They make all this money, and and they 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 have a different uh, 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 political bit. And that's not my problem. What my thing is. How what happens to these athletes that get so like when I see Jim Brown, the young Jim Brown wouldn't even recognize Jim Brown. Like he wouldn't, like the young Jim Brown wouldn't recognize the old Jim Brown. The old Jim Brown wouldn't recognize the old Jim Brown. He wouldn't know it. But these athletes become so rich and so disconnected that they honestly see the world so different. And obviously, I I, I, I don't begrudge somebody that political bent. What I don't understand is any black dude or black woman who who supports, I just don't get yeah, the Trump like support. I don't Walker. get that at all. Like I don't get that. Um, so I have a little insight on this because I don't know when's the last time you had, let's say, a conversation with somebody black who was maybe over 65, right? Because that's yeah. what Jim Brown is. Yeah. That era of civil rights activists and leaders, they do look at the world differently. This is not a money thing. They are very much, the, the one thing I had to realize is that they bought into respectability politics as much as people that we criticize today. Right. That they really do believe in that pull yourself up by the bootstrap type right. of thinking. and. We, um, you know, even now, I know that, you know, I may, this is mostly with pop culture, I may look at rap or something and say, like, that ain't how my generation Right, was. right, right, right. But that's how they are about us, right. is that they look at what we're doing. They're like, wait, you got this, 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 and this, and the racial wealth gap still looks like this. And they see this through the prism of, unfortunately, media that I think on some level convinces them that we are not doing enough to get ourselves out sure, of our own circumstances. Sure, sure, sure. Black people have never had a choice, right. okay? We know the government is not going to be there for us, right. but just because we know they're not going to be there for us doesn't mean that we stop holding them accountable. Right. And I think, frankly, a lot of older black people have really a very skewed and, frankly, um, a disappointing picture of what this generation is done and what they're doing. And so, yes, when you hear Trump talk about in uh, opportunity zones and pulling yourself up by the bootstrap, that sounds good to you. But what you're not considering is the fact that he has no plan for black people no. at all, never has. Yeah. The fact that there's a low black unemployment rate is really just about the fact that he inherited a low rate to begin with. <laughs> you know, so it happens to be lower. When people there's talk no about policy- 
low unemployment yeah, rates as 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 the, the the black low unemployment rate as a as as an homage to you not being racist. I, during slavery, the black unemployment rate was zero, and I'm sure that they didn't like it. I'm sure, like, like, I, can't, like I can't hate you guys. I got you working. Like, but the other thing is, that's I, why we're here. I can understand the whole bootstraps things too, you know, because I, I in some parts of me feels that way, not in a Republican sense, but in my mind, I'm thinking, how can you reconcile some of the things that Trump has done to black and brown people to make it okay to support him. When you see the children in cages, when you when you listen to him talk about S-hole countries, when you watch him, the way the he threats speaks. in the suburbs. Right, yeah. like all of that in my head, I'm like, okay, if I'm Jim Brown, there's no way, even from a traditional standpoint, can I say, this is okay, and because that's okay, I can accept this too. Like, yeah, that doesn't I mean, make it, sense it, to me. It's hard to reconcile because I, I too, have those same um, questions and thoughts. But, you know, black men for Donald Trump, you know, they're in play for him. And I know that. Yeah, they are. They are. 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 They're in play. And um, the reason that they're in play is because they're looking at what he has done with the First Step Act. Um, And, of course, many of them do not realize that this is just this was a always bipartisan legislator legislation. And not only that, I mean, Obama's Fair Sentencing Act, that was the birth of that. And, you know, there's a lot going on with that. And so he can talk to them through economic empowerment, through, uh, you know, criminal justice reform and through these issues that they really care about. And what I would say to, to black men is that, you know, understand that when black women vote, generally, we're voting for everybody. Right. Not just for us. Right, okay? right, right, right. And so considering how Donald Trump has a very decided and staunch opinion about our rights, particularly our reproductive rights, I would like to think that most black men or at the very least, would want to consider what some of his harmful policies does to women in particular, and keep that in mind. But yeah, I mean, they're in they're in play with. For him I, I would like to think. To uh, I, th- I think it's generous to say that it was is 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 uh, uh, you know economic empower. I think that a lot of black men relate to him because he does a lot of nigga shit. Like they, I think he does a he lot does. of shit they they would do. Like yeah. I man and they interpret that as strength. They do. They think it's strong to go you better do this cuz I said so. Mm-hmm. They 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 think like cuz cuz let's face it we fuck with Nino Brown. So that's that's yeah. that uh, <laughs> Yeah. So he made I, the whole comment about being able to shoot someone in the middle they, of the get away. And get they, away they, with they, it. They they really right. see what he's doing as strength and dope. And, and 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 powerful that so they see strength in an entirely different way and i think they think asking for things and and being conciliatory and and being communal is is not as strong yeah i mean i think your your observation is dead on because i've heard many black men say that they like the fact he speaks his mind yeah. but i'm like what does it matter if he's saying dumb shit there you go with that girl that stuff part. again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right i'm like <laughs> okay, like you get credit because he says the stupid shit out loud. The yes. out loud. Like I don't, I don't understand that. So yeah, from a machismo bravado standpoint, um, that's very striking, and it really does engage people. Um, but at the same time, I need for us to understand that this is not just about, um, you know, what he says and and all these other little flowery things that he's trying to suddenly appeal to our community. But this is about what will impact this presidential office for years to come like i mean democracy is on the ballot yeah. you understand this is not like yeah. we may be very much looking at one of the last 
free and fair elections we have. Well, yeah, like that's yeah. how shit is real, okay? Well, you so know when they steal time, black people's mailboxes so they won't vote. Like, like, like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what else was insulting when he called his economic plan the platinum plan? You know, niggas love platinum. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most. <laughs> yeah. He knows those words, those true words. He knows. Uh, I'm so glad you said that because the way he, the way he they kind of uh, you know put forth that plan out by calling it platinum. It was like, I thought Bottle Girls was coming right. in. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, well, you see the, the spinning rims. Did <laughs> you see that? Um, you did something, a, a, I think, I, I forgot how long it was, but it was you and, 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 and Champion, and you guys were talking about your experience at ESPN, and you were mm-hmm. talking about your experience with a certain someone, uh, you know, mm-hmm. who had been your mentor, and and you had to call him out, but you did it in such a straightforward honest uh you know unacerbic way like it was just i'm giving you the facts this is how this is what happened and maybe you're not aware of it but this is it mm-hmm. that it would have been hard even if someone say for instance someone had assess, assessed what how, my interaction with them i couldn't even be mad because it was just the unvarnished you were appreciative of, of what had happened and you did say that person was your mentor but you then did say there was a a, a, a patronage associated with it they're blind to and i think that's a lot of times yeah, and no, I mean, you know, when I when I said that about Skip, it wasn't coming from a place of malice or no, not at all. I mean, all. I, look, he has uh, gotten to this point in his career by through hard work, and I know a lot of people disagree with his opinions, but I can say as somebody who used to work alongside him a lot that he works extremely yeah. hard um, to be good at what he does. But that being said. Um, I also, and maybe this is something that he didn't understand, or for that matter, other people associated uh, with the first take show at the time, was that I saw a black woman in Carrie Champion who had been, uh, who had earned this opportunity in a high profile position, who was being shit on a lot. And she's my girl. And so when I would see that happening in real time, of course, I was going to speak out in her behalf. And I thought, frankly, um, that they didn't do enough to not just p- protect her, but enough to support her. And so when I made those feelings known, um, you know, Skip had a problem with it. And we haven't spoken since. And, you know, if that's the way that he chose to respond to that and by saying that, you know, basically him being on some you made me type of thing. Okay, well, well Make fine, another but... me like Hope say. Make another one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I love about you? I can't tell the difference. Like, I, I think... Other 